anybody that listens to it deserves whatever they get at. Yes, just keep drinking, people. That could be the slogan of your show, Liam. <laughs> yeah. The more, or yeah, the more the more you drink, the better we sound. Welcome to the Sports Talk Podcast, and today I am joined by... This is Mike O'Connor, with no qualifications at all to appear on this podcast, except that I'm related to him, and uh, he's trying to be nice to me. <laughs> and, yeah, and we will have the, we will have the other main person uh, in a minute. He's doing something else right now. But, so, the first thing that I, the first thing in the links that I sent to you was that the NFL owners have delayed a decision on implementing a 17-game regular season for 2021. So, what this article looks like it's saying is they didn't say they're not doing a 17-game regular season in 2021. They just delayed um, when they would normally. They just delayed when they would decide it. So they, yeah, they just pushed back the move to decide if they wanted to do it until twenty early 2021. Do you think that they should have a 17-game regular season, or do you think they should stick with the 16 games? Well, again, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I... I think um, as it seems like this discussion has been going on for almost since I was your age, trying to decide how many preseason games and how many regular season games. I don't see how they can have fewer than two preseason games. The, the nature of the sport demands that you know, you be able to prove yourself under game conditions. Yeah. Um, yet, um, obviously, the everything seems to be driven by money now. So perhaps they can make more money with a 17-game regular season. And at the same time... Um, eliminate some of that uh, feeling by fans that they're being cheated by having to pay full prices for preseason games, which really don't amount to much entertainment. But, yeah. you know, Liam, I would say you're the most qualified person in the family. You know what it's like to play a, a season of football, you know, in heat and cold weather and rain and whatnot. Uh, what about the wear and tear factor of 17 games? Yeah, that is, uh, they, yeah, like, I think it might not, it would be, it's definitely probably more popular with, like, the owners and people who stand to make more money during it, and it's probably a lot less popular with the players because, yeah, they're not going to make significantly more money from just one more game for them at least, and then, and they're going to get, that's another possibility of them getting hurt. So, I don't know, I can see both sides, I think, if they, I don't know, I think, I think... That might be why they've delayed the decision, maybe they don't know either. I, I guess I, 
don't understand all of a sudden what the urgency is. Um, you know, that they've done the four-game four preseason for so many years. Um, and then, like I mentioned, it does seem to come up a lot over the last couple of decades. But maybe there's a reason they have four preseason games and 16 regular season. Maybe that's worked all these years, and maybe they should just you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That is, yeah, if it, if it isn't broken, then why would they change it? And it does say that the scheduling the scheduling formula for the 17th game was was approved unanimously, an interconference matchup match up based on individual standings from the preceding season and on a rotating divisional basis. The idea is to facilitate competitive fairness and create additional value through quality mashups and preserve the objectivity of the scheduling process, the NFL said. So I guess the owners all, I guess, unanimously support it if they all So they're, say, they're saying that it will help uh, make for more equitable scheduling yeah. between the teams. Yeah. Because it is, you have to wonder, because the, don't they charge the same price for preseason tickets that they do for for, for regular season? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know either. And I don't know what a television network is going to pay compared to what they'll pay for a regular season game as opposed to a preseason game. I don't know. Liam, it's hard for me to not believe that the uh, motivation for all this has something to do with money. Yeah, it has to. If yeah. the owners are interested, if they seem to be in favor of the new plan, reducing the preseason games and adding a regular season game, it must make more money for them. Yeah. That, that's, that. you know, that's all I can figure yeah, that's yeah. Like a lot less people are gonna watch the preseason games than the regular season games. Oh, so sponsors. Yeah, like so that's, you can go to your sponsor and say we're gonna get you're gonna get fewer eyeballs. You know, if you're trying to get Budweiser to sponsor a preseason game, you're gonna have fewer viewers than you would. Yeah. The opening game like, a week later. Yeah. Or if they added another game, like, later in the season, it looks like uh, the viewing, like, as the season goes along, the ratings go up. So it looks like if they added another game, they'd be, they'd have a lot more, a lot of viewers, which would mean a lot of ad revenue and stuff. So I could see. Well, it does come down to money. <laughs> yeah. But what do you think about the, uh, the, uh, physical beating the the you know the the extra intensity of a one one more game you know i i don't if you're a professional highly uh conditioned athlete being paid millions of dollars maybe 16 football games a season is manageable but it does seem like there's a limit yeah i think <sighs> if they introduced the 17th game and like p 
people would obviously get hurt in that game for if every team was playing in it. So you think so then yeah, like when all those people get hurt, even if it's not really that many compared to just a normal game, there's still gonna be a lot of things saying, Why did you make us do this game when we normally only have sixteen? It's the NFL's fault and then so then that'll be like that's probably gonna happen. And I don't well, know. the uh, I noticed that the um, uh, one of the other topics that you were interested in was uh, adding ESPN and ABC to the Super Bowl rotation. I can't. I'm oh, yeah. trying to remember. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, I see this. Well, here's this goes back to what you were saying. The NFL is evidently the highest rated television program on television, which is not surprising, I guess. I mean, they've got the golden goose. People yeah. People watch the NFL. There's no doubt about yeah, it. it says, yeah, it says like $100 billion for if they added ABC and ESPN into the Super Bowl rotation for, <laughs> for 10 years. So money. Do you think there can be too much football on television? I mean, I, I remember, I'll probably preface much of what I say to you with, I remember, but when they first started Monday night football back in the, I'm going to guess the seventies, um, it was, you know, everybody was buzzing about it. There was all Basically, three networks to watch. There was no cable television or barely any cable television. And Monday Night Football revolutionized um, the way that uh, television was covering football. And they had three strong personalities in the booth Howard Cosell and um, oh, the former Dallas. Uh, Cowboys um, uh, quarterback, a real entertaining, folksy, um, John Marriott, and then uh, Gifford, Frank Gifford, uh, kind of a, a, a NFL star, and they played off of each other, and their interaction was almost as important to the broadcasts as the football games themselves. 
and it was a real big hit. And then I think all of a sudden now, how many nights a week can you watch football? There's Sunday and today there was a game on Saturday, but normally, yeah, there isn't a game on. Or if you're if you're just doing the NFL, it would be like Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, and then and then you'd have Sunday again. But if you're counting, and then during during the playoffs, they'll include Saturday and Sunday afternoons. Yeah, and this week they had a Saturday game. Uh, I think even let's see. Uh, was it the Bills who were playing? Yeah, it was the Bills and somebody. I can't remember now. But um, well, so the, here then the question is: Can you have too much television? Can you oversaturate? I think you know where it takes it. it it's not special anymore. I think they could that if they did. If they did do something where it's like, oh, you have football Monday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and Fridays, then it might be like people who say, I look forward to on Thursdays instead of watching the normal reality TV show that's on every day, I'll watch football. But then they might think, oh, well, I can watch football any day I want. So they'll just watch whatever else is on. And it, yeah, it could be less special and they could lose money if they I've, but yet they s- seem to keep breaking in the money i mean people still seem to be watching the games even though you know they used to say that about music that you know with all the different ways you can listen to music now it takes some of the uh, magic out of it that there's just so much music on so many different formats um, but they still seem to be selling music, and people still seem to be watching the NFL. So again, that might—I'm not sure. I—I'm not sure. I—I I have an opinion on that, except just to kind of speculate about it and make observations about it. Yeah, yeah, I do think if they introduced a, like having football on Wednesday nights as well or something, I think that day. It might for the first week or two they might have good ratings because everyone would be this is like it would be a novel thing but then after that it would be okay now it's on every week but i can just watch it on thursday like i always would so i'm not going to watch well, it you know the other thing liam the um, when you have a chance uh go on google and or youtube and see if you can track down some old 1970s monday night football broadcasts um, the first of all, I, I believe that was the only non-Sunday football game uh, that the league played. But you, um, they would before the season started, they would attempt to um, televise good matchups. You know, but but as you know, by the middle of the season. All right, so I'll start. Real good early fade, or other teams might come out of nowhere. So a matchup that looked real good on your TV schedule in August, by the time November rolls around, you might have two, you know, two six and one teams playing each other. Yeah. So the interaction of the 
posts, Howard Cosell, a very outspoken, um, more of a, a lawyer journalist who didn't come out of the sports world, but wound up there. And then you had the real folksy Don Meredith and then the real straight arrow Frank Gifford. The interplay and entertainment factor among these three guys uh, would compensate uh, for perhaps a, a lackluster matchup between two yeah. teams. It seems like there's plenty of money to go around. And if, uh, you know, I read somewhere where as crummy as the Bengals are, the value of the franchise is still, you know, it would take your breath away. Yeah. Compared, it's... To what it, compared to what it was a few years ago. So I guess everybody shares in the money. And, um, I don't know. It's diff different than it used to be. It strikes me how so much of the discussion is about money. Now, yeah. With all, with all the sports, have you ever? Did you ever hear the term the hot stove league? No. You know what I mean by that? It's no. An old baseball term that probably goes back to the 1920s for all or earlier, and it it refers to baseball fans sitting around a hot stove during the winter when there's no baseball talking you know about their teams talking about the upcoming season and the trades and this so it was just a colorful way to um, express that it's called sit, the, you can sit the hot stove league hello and it seems it seems hi it seems like a lot of the hot stove league now is not so much about players and the game of, of baseball or football but more about uh, finances and, and money and contracts. Yeah, and we do have the other... Um, I disagree completely. The other member of the show is here. Uh, so you're talking about the NFL, uh, I guess, adding more games to the season and adding like having football on more than just one more than just like Mondays and Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So do you have like opinions on kind of like, or like, like, do you think that's too much football having a game like every day as a consumer? It's wonderful. Um, it's like when college football started doing like games on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And I mean, this goes back 20 years, but, as a consumer, it's fantastic. Um, but I keep thinking of like um, the uh, Bennett brothers who played in the NFL. Um, they would, I mean, what would they say about, I mean, there's the more games you play. I mean, there's a question of just player safety and the quality of the game. I think of like, you know, the Ravens and the Steelers having to just keep um, yeah, like they bundling like, up. Yeah, or like the Broncos with the, wide receiver at quarterback mm -hmm. i heard today actually they have a game today and they uh they had uh they got a kicker out of like he, the guy had played in the xfl and in china and everywhere 
and they just stuck him on the practice squad and didn't let him anywhere near anybody on the team just in case. And sure enough, so they're he be the quarterback or kicker. Well, their kicker, their kicker went down with COVID this week. And so they've got today, the guy like literally had never played with the team until like Wednesday or Thursday. And now he's kicking in a game today on Saturday. So circumstances are so extraordinary this particular season but in i was asking i I said to liam that he's uniquely qualified among us to have a sense of the wear and tear that an extra game would uh, create uh over the course of a season it sure seems like 16 games of football and that's not not counting playoff games well, it's a lot of a lot of football, even for well conditioned athletes. And say you're a younger guy who played a lot of preseason snaps too, you know, and then you get into the yeah, all of a sudden you've got, you know, your sixteen games you play in the preseason, then you get into the playoffs. I mean, at some point, yeah, what is the quality of your what's the quality of the play? Like by the end of the season, it's really even this season, I mean it's you know, it's it, it's not really look at the Bengals. It's not really how good you guys can play. It's just who's left standing. Yeah, like the Ravens are gladiatorial contest. Yeah, yeah, which I guess is kind of, I mean, maybe that's part of the drill, and maybe that's the teams that can do a better job of, you know, physical therapy and all that stuff. But you know, I don't. I mean, it it just it's um it seems hypocritical to me to that to call for more games, but then, you know, say, oh, you know, offensive line play is terrible because guys don't get enough practices where they can practice in pads and hit each other anymore. Well, you know, at some point, you know, what's, what do we expect? I mean, if we, if you add more games, less practices, the quality is going to not be as good. Well, here's a, a kind of a wild idea. What about expanding rosters? and limiting how long one individual can play in a game. That would... I guess that, that's not, I guess once you get out of SAY soccer, <laughs> maybe that's not going to fly, but I don't know. You know, if you're if you're going to expect your athletes to perform longer and harder, uh, maybe you need more athletes. True. Or you start doing what the, uh, the, the NFL might start doing what they do in the NBA and just say, you know, if you're, um, LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or something um, like you're you might rest. You might say, OK, we're just going to say that out of 82 games, you know, Kawhi Leonard's I'm just picking him out. He's going to play in 55 games and we're going to limit him to that. So maybe you just go in and say he's not going to play the second night. If you have two games in a row, he's not going to play the second one. And uh, teams got in trouble with that with the NBA because people are like, well, hey, you know, we're trying to sell these games on TV. We're trying to sell tickets. You know, are you going to go see the Clippers if they don't have Kawhi Leonard? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Are you going to go see the Lakers if they sit everybody? I don't know. I mean, would well, you go see the people still watch the Ravens and Steelers when they're? I heard the um, on the Bengals booth podcast. They uh, the one of the reporters for the Steelers. You know, kind of on the interview that where they bring in somebody from the other team. The guy said, "Yeah, the Steelers basically beat a JV team when they played the uh, Ravens." So. Yeah. But people still watched it. They still charged full price tickets for it, I guess. Well, that's what Liam and I were talking about before you came, that 
if people are watching it, if they still turn the TV on and the advertisers know that they're getting X number of viewers, um, how far can you push it in terms of quality and the product that you're, you're giving them, you know, before the, uh, the viewership drops or the fans quit watching. Sure. And I guess so far that hasn't happened. So I don't know. Yeah. And then, or did you, did you want to add something? No, no, actually I was curious if you don't mind, I was hoping to ask, I don't know if you guys have already covered this. I really wanted to ask dad about, um, the college football playoff scenario that, um, to preface this, the other night I was driving back from um, uh, dog training. Um, I'm training to be a dog, and uh, they on ESPN Radio they had um, they were interviewing the, like the guy who's the chair of the selection committee for the college playoff. And the the guys who were doing the interviewing it was Freddie and Fitzsimmons. They were really trying hard. They were asking great questions and ask like saying basically, okay, if you're Cincinnati, Cincinnati fans are going to say, why should we? why should we support your system if we're not going to get in? And the guy would just talk around it and around it. Well, we still think Florida is a better team. And they were saying, okay, well give Cincinnati a chance to prove it. You're breaking up party. Oh, I was just saying it's, you know, I'm an Ohio state grad and I still think if Ohio state gets in the playoffs over Cincinnati, you're, you're breaking up. Uh, It does say our internet is, let me see. Let me switch it to the, or do you know password for the, yeah. Yeah. Marty, you're, you're, my take was so yeah, hot. Your picture. I know. There, now I can see you. Uh, we're connecting to a, the other internet. Sorry, I think I just burped into the microphone while I was oh. trying to fix that. Sorry, sorry, podcast listeners. Is it? Oh, no, it's. Are you, hey, Dad, can you hear us? Is he frozen? I'm going to turn our video off if it's. All right. That's a good idea. Yeah. So we turned our camera off to try to save some, save some bandwidth here. Okay. Yeah. So all I was going to say is, yeah, if I'm, so I'm, I'm an Ohio State grad, but if I, I would say if Ohio State gets into the playoff and somebody like Cincinnati doesn't, that is that's ridiculous. That's a joke. You know, if you, I'm looking at the record, the like the records. Cincinnati has played eight games, and Ohio State has played five games. Well, six. They won today. Six. And six UC's games. assumedly, assu- assuming UC wins tonight, you know, it would be well, nine wins, right? Nine and zero. And it's not Cincinnati's fault that the Big Ten teams they were supposed to play, everybody bailed on them. Yeah, the um, the whole uh, I've been reading about that in, in Doherty's column, and I yeah I don't know if I have a uh, a, a, a real uh, good take on that. Um, I, I, I will say this that I I do believe that um, if Ohio State went head to head with UC. Right now, Ohio State would prevail. Uh, I think UC give them a good game, and I, I think uh, Fickle is developing a consistent top ten program down there. But um, it, it's hard to swallow 
uh, Rutgers in the top ten in the Big Ten. It, yeah. You know, it's obvious the only reason they're there is for the East Coast television market. Um, I'm pretty confident that UC could compete and probably beat uh, a good number of teams in the Big Ten this year. I think they could compete and beat some teams in the Southeastern Conference, Vanderbilt, uh, Kentucky, uh, yeah. probably some others. Um, and I, I don't know how had, if this has evolved this way. Um, that I don't see how it's doing college football any good to have this uh, exclusive club of uh, top tier programs without. Um, That's Liam's uh, what, 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 his, Well, I could not. That? I could not find the hot take bell, so I'm trying to find oh, something that's okay. else. For... Well, here's again. No, I'm kind of stumbling through this. It, it, uh, one part of me, I, I'm not sure that UC, in spite of their good record and everything else, um, really belongs in the four-player, fourteen final playoff. Um, but yes, I agree that it's not fair that they don't have a chance. Basically, the way things are set up to um, to do that. And that goes for, you know, other teams in the uh, American Football Conference. I agree. Or Because you know, there's, some, there's some other good, really good programs. Well, you're right. And you got, you know, your Coastal Carolinas or your, you know. But it seems like, yeah, for me, I think, and I, I'm biased by well, this. Well, those Florida schools, for one thing. Yeah, that's, well, they got, um, it does seem like, I mean, it, it's, nobody wants to come out and say it, but what they're, what happens is if you're in the if you're in a uh, power five conference, you can go you can have two losses and people will excuse you for that. Um, or, you know, you can be in a power five, you can be Ohio State and people will say, hey, well, we only have six wins, but we can only play the schedule we're given. You know, don't blame us. It's the schedule. You know, we do what we can or BYU or whatever. But then, you know, when it's Cincinnati and people say, well, Cincinnati doesn't have any top 25 wins. Uh, again, excluding Tulsa tonight, you know, when Cincinnati fans would say, well, hey, it's the schedule. We won every game we played. What do you want us to do? It's um, to me, the NCAA has I'm not a fan of the NCAA in terms of athletics. Well, I guess that's what the NCAA is. But I mean, it's to me, it just there's so much money and so much hypocrisy in it. Um, you know, probably what's I mean. You know, Ohio State, I'm sure that the reason Cincinnati's not in the Big Ten is because Ohio State doesn't want the competition. They don't want to have another in-state school who can compete with them. You'll never get a situation here like you would with Michigan and Michigan State. You know, just kind of because of that, Cincinnati's realistically never going to win. That They'll have to have 10 years in a row of 12-win seasons before they would even be considered in that same ballpark. Um, well, they need to get, they need to get into a top tier conference. They were in the big East yeah. before that basically fell apart. And that's when they wound up in the orange bowl mm -hmm. um, and got beat in the orange bowl. But I think part of the problem is that they 
you know, they need to get into a, um, they need to get into a, one of the top tier conferences. And, you know, and the, and the other thing is, it's remarkable what they've achieved uh, yeah. when you think of all the competing uh, sports uh, uh, venues we have in this town. You know, if uh, in Columbus, there's no NFL team. So your quasi professional football team is Ohio State. You know, in, our, in, a, our, in, a, in a, a big city like Columbus needs that. Yeah. Big time football program, whether it's the NFL or, or college, and uh, in Cincinnati, you've got—I'm not even sure there's room for two big time football programs. You know, you've got the Bengals and uh, and now UC, but you know we'll find out. That's a good point, but this, yeah, it's more um, when we live in Chicago. Chicago is very much a pro sports town and by comparison Cincinnati is much more into college sports in general and in some of that you could you could argue that the Bengals right now are kind of a quasi professional team anyway um, or the Reds somebody had to say it <laughs> yeah but it's um yeah i i it's it's still to me i mean as much as i i mean i i loved going to ohio state you know i went to games and i was there excuse me i loved the school but you know Ohio State. I have no evidence of this, but boy, it would sure seem it would it would shock me if it turns out Ohio State was not paying players the same as Clemson or Notre Dame or Alabama or Oklahoma or anybody else. You know, it would shock. It would honestly really surprise me to find out that everything was totally above board. Um, you know, and it seems like such an odd. Everybody knows it, and we all look the other way. But then we kind of pick these real nitpicky little, well, you know, this, 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 when it comes time to these playoff decisions. And this, I think the, the other unspoken thing is it's, you know, that if UC gets into a, a New Year's Eve or a New Year's Day bowl, yeah, they'll take home, you know, $6 million or whatever to share with the conference. If they get into the playoffs, you're doubling that easy. I mean, there's so much money at stake that, it's in it's in the NCAA's vested interest to keep those, or well, it's in the Power Five conference. You know, it's in their best interest to make the money. Um, if I were Indiana, I'd say, how come I'm not playing in the? How come I didn't get to play in the championship game? And it's because, you know, if Ohio State won, then they're going to go to a bowl that brings in a lot more money. If Indiana goes and wins, they're not going to go. You know, they'll they'll make they'll go to a bowl that pays out a couple million. Good, you know. Congratulations, but they're not going to get into one of the big money makers. Right. Well, this Liam and I were talking before you came that it does seem like everything, if you follow the money, everything always comes down to money. And if uh, viewers weren't buying into it, uh, it wouldn't be happening. So it must work, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't see, you know, the NCAA suddenly saying, hold it, we need to be doing the right thing. Yeah. Oh, there's all, all the schools. Uh, in, and we need to put money uh, in the back seat. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. No, they never, I mean, look at the, you know, when they're talking about, you know, when they're measuring their, NCAA March Madness revenue in the 
you know, when they're when you're getting into like the let's see, six, nine, when you're looking at like, you know, ten or eleven digit figures, you know, when you're talking billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. Well, when you're talking billions of dollars of revenue that, you know, it's, you know, again, yeah, it's hard to argue. I mean, that's their, I think what gets me with that is that it, it cracks me up to see these commercials talking about how, you know, the NCAA is supporting the, the academic side. And yeah, maybe they are and blah, blah, blah. But it's just, you know, the hypocrisy, I think is what annoys me on that. Why not just say, Hey, we're putting out a huge, great product, you know, and, you know, these kids aren't making, I mean, they're making money, but they're not making nearly enough money, you know, and then I don't know, you get, then you get, so say you play, say you're one of these guys and you, um, you know, you play, you go through all this and then you get into the pros, say you play, you know, you play NCAA basketball, then you get into the pros and you say, wait a second, I don't want to play for Houston. I want to play for, I want to get my buddies together and go play for the Jets or the Jets. I'm sorry, the Nets. And everybody says, Oh, how dare you? You know, this is professional sports. You shouldn't be in it for the money when, wait a minute, you know, your college, you know, you were, you were a moneymaker for your college. You made money for the NCAA. You made money for your team. You've made money. You've made, you know, they, if they didn't, if they weren't making money off your contract, they wouldn't have paid it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a question that Liam asked about uh, that hotshot quarterback at Auburn. You know, the guy with the long hair. Is it Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, Trevor Lawrence with Clemson. Clemson, Clemson, yeah. Whether to uh, play another college year or 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 uh, declare for the draft, or or even beyond that possibly holding out for a year so he can go to his preferred team. Yeah, because he might not want to go to the Jets. It makes it all the more remarkable that Burrow yeah. came to Cincinnati. I, if he weren't from Southern Ohio, I doubt he would have. Well, yeah, you start wondering. I mean, you look at Burrow and you think he played in his bowl game, even though, I mean, he was betting, you know, you're betting on, you know, you're betting tens of millions of dollars on you know somebody not rolling backwards into your knee you know he played that bowl game and then he you know entered the draft yeah i mean selfishly if i was you know trevor lawrence's dad or if i was his agent i wouldn't want to yeah i'd be i'd say i'd say man you know what go play in canada for a year you know get you get could, a you could hold or go for, yeah for a year and go to it well you could go to like the patriots or someone who just needs a quarterback, and once they have a quarterback, they'll be in the playoffs every year. Yeah, and just, I mean, if I were, or like Elway did, or Eli Manning or something, I mean, this is really, you know, if, if it were my, me at my job, and I said, hey, you know what, this I'm starting a new job, this is my one and only time to really have a good negotiate, this is the only time I'm going to have any leverage, you'd say, you'd be you'd be a fool not to use it, so... Yeah, if I were Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I'd be thinking real hard about that. I mean, granted, you you know, if you get picked in that top couple, you're, you know, you're ma- you're making a lot of money. I mean, I understand. You know, you've got enough money that if you're careful, you're set for life. Your family's set for life. But you know, then be even beyond that, like you know, if you somehow get if if you manage to get a second contract, a third contract, I mean, how much has 
you know, Matthew Stafford made in his career, 60, 70 million dollars or something. Say a couple hundred, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you'd be crazy to like jeopardize that. You know, go go to somewhere like the Bengals where they have a uh, the offensive line is just not a concern and not an issue. I mean, not you, you know the offensive line is bad, and then you get hurt. I mean, you know, you're you're banking on your ability to rehab, and you're you're banking on luck to say, you know, do I well like Andrew Luck? Do I get another contract, or do I just am I going to be injured and out of the NFL? Yeah. What What are the consequences for? for Trevor Lawrence if he chooses not to go to the team that drafts him the the team that loses him um, gets draft picks from the team that ultimately well, does get him if I understand well, it right try to get a trade like on draft day like Manning did like, like Eli Manning yeah, did like Manning did in the thing. But it's, you know, what if he says, yeah, I mean, if the Jets draft him and he just says, look, you know what, my agent is, I don't know, IMG, they're going to loan me a million dollars to live on because they know I'm going to make it back. I'm going to just spend this year doing Tom Brady yoga and eating right and whatever, whatever, and I'll enter the draft next year, you know, then, you know, if and just he say if, if RTV 12. Our TB12 fanny pack. He could get yeah. one of them, wear that around, uh, fill it with did, magnets. We're not able to sell that, though. Oh, that's a shame. Man, I was kind of banking on that for Christmas gifts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he could. So, I mean, he could do, as I understand it, he. the only thing he would be precluded from would be signing a contract with a different NFL team who doesn't have his rights. But the Jets could draft him and then trade him. Um, but if Trevor Lawrence just basically says, hey, you know what? I am not playing for New York. I'm not playing for, you know, whatever. Adam Gates. You know, yeah, you're so just saying. You're, you're, you're willing to uh, risk that first year's income. Yeah. So, you know, but like you said, there's somebody who's going to bankroll you because you're a pro at that point. Yeah, and you but, can get insurance for yeah, that. I, I don't know. Maybe you that's don't make. An, that's another thing I think that money uh, money has shaped, yeah. created, and shaped those kind of decisions. I can remember um, probably about the time you were born, Marty, that free agency first uh, began in baseball. Um, before that, and that's that would have been the mid seventies. That's hard to believe. Yeah, but before that, if you were you know, if you were signed to a ball club or drafted by a ball club, you were the property of that ball club as long as they wanted you. And, yeah. Um, yeah, like you couldn't, that's hard to imagine now. You know, and it's, but it's, uh, you know, the, the so much leverage has shifted to the players that you may as well, if you're a player, you may as well take advantage of it because it's, it, from the outside, at least, it looks like, you know, your teams are NFL is basically you're going to have guys making maximum, you know, you're going to have guys making a ton of money then a bunch of guys making, you know, the minimum or rookie wages, like even your quarterback, you know, you're going to have a quarterback who you draft. So you've got him for five years, call it at a pretty reasonable pay rate. So you can spend that money elsewhere. You're not going to have anybody in the middle. You're not going to have anybody. So everybody's either going to make 
throwing it out there. Everybody's going to make $18 million a, or 500000 a hot take? Yes. So Yay! Oh, nice. So if you're a player, yeah, Martellus Bennett's right. I mean, if you're a player for... <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. I, I'm unprepared. I don't have anything. I could burp again. You know, if you're a player, you know, do everything you can. Why not? I mean, because it's all, you know, you might only play for, you know, Joe Burrow. I mean, I hate to say it. You know, I know he's got good surge and all that. Who knows? He could be done. You know, hopefully not. Hopefully not. But you never know. I mean, that's so, there it goes. I mean, if you're him, why, you know, that was wonderful of him to play in the bowl. And I salute him for it. It was wonderful of him to, knowing that he was going to be the number one pick, you know, but you'd be crazy to fault somebody for not doing it because you wouldn't do it if it was your own job. I mean, if the, well, I don't understand how any pro football player plays in the pro bowl or why they even still have the pro bowl. They get paid like a bit of money, but it's not, it's compared to all their, cause those are normally the stars. So compared to their normal salaries, that's like, Pretty negligible. Yeah, it's like you getting a couple hundred dollar bonus. Well, you see all the well, guys. I could see maybe back in the 1960s, you got a trip to Hawaii or something, you know. Back when NFL players had, when the season was over, they had other jobs delivering milk or working yeah. in factories, you know. But um, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, well, the other, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just noticed that one of the other things Liam was talking about because I might uh, have to, um, I might have to depart here. It's like a guest on Johnny Carson. You know, I've got to, yeah, I've got to be in Las Vegas. But you mentioned LeBron James, you know, or maybe sitting him down for a game or two. And I'm trying to remember, uh, Liam, who was that player you were talking about? That was he was Arizona or somebody? Or how how do you James keep Harden elite players happy? You know, like if 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 he wanted to um, break the team rules and fly off to Las Vegas for one or two nights and then come back, and no one else on the team is allowed to do, that, where do you draw the line? How do you you know how much freedom do you give this person by? by virtue of his uh, value to the team. Sure. Well, I mean, as much as you, as much as you think you can get away yeah, with, I like mean, they said in the like uh, Chicago bulls documentary that was on ESPN in May or whatever, like the, what was it called? The last dance. It yeah. said like Dennis Rodman for like three days, just went to Las Vegas and partied and he didn't really have any, repercussions but and but no one else was allowed to do that right well that's kind of how it goes i mean with any i mean that's kind of always to some extent the top players always have some leeway that you know the other guys might not get but well i think even you know i recently read about you know babe ruth uh, he was you know he had his own uh car on the train yeah you know, I mean, he, you know, the, the team management was always looking the other way with him. And that was back in the 1920s. But I, I remember reading about um, Sparky Anderson, whose um, main talent uh, as a baseball manager may not have been his strategic ability, but 
his ability to handle all kinds of different players. Yeah. And I re- you, Marty, you probably remember the story, but he, at the beginning of one of the seasons, he took basically the future Hall of Famers, Morgan, Bench, Rose, Perez, um, you know, I don't know who else, and, um, and told the rest of the guys on the team that they were basically, uh, well, t- turds. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and he and he just laid it out on the line at the beginning of the season that these players did have special privileges because they were the heart of the team, and it turned out they were all future Hall of Famers. But far from um, being detrimental to the other guys on the team, they had T-shirts made up that said "Turd" on the front. <laughs> And they played what? extra hard. They played with more pride. And you just have to wonder with somebody like Sparky Anderson, the, the, the psychologist that he was, if he knew what he was doing. You know? Sure. He, I'm sure he, you're right, though. I'm yeah. sure he read the team Every, well. Everybody and... on that team played as hard as the uh, Stars. But, but he laid it on the line at the beginning of the season. He said, listen, man, you know, like it or not, these five players here are going to get carried around on pillows this year and the rest of you aren't. So, mm-hmm. you know, how you perform and how you are part of this team is up to you. That's one thing that's great with sports though, is that it's, you know, I was talking about that with somebody at work the other day too, that, I mean, you know, if you're, if, if a player, you know, a sparky could have, the unspoken side of it is, you know what, if you, if you out hit foster, great you know if you out hit bench then you're the star you know you do it you achieve it and you're the man so it's we were talking about that in terms of like running cross country or track that it was there was something nice about the purity of that it's like it didn't matter what the coach thought you know if me and jason williams were the fastest at the half mile we were going to run the half mile and you know you could complain all you want or you can bellyache or you can whatever but great beat me and that spot's yours and i will be you know, and there's not a thing I can say about it, um, you know, which is nice because then the only downside is it doesn't really prepare you for real life when you get out into your first job or whatever. <laughs> you no. know? Well, hopefully you're mature enough, but yeah, I, uh, I sense a little bit of that with um, the Reds. Like, I wonder if Joey Votto's overstayed his welcome and if there might be some problems with some of the younger players. You know, thinking why is he be t- being treated with this deference um, when you know I you could put me in there and I can bat two thirty. Right. You know? Were you the one who so, said, Dad, or was it you or your dad? I remember you guys somebody saying that like, you know, if you're in the major leagues, you should be able to hit two fifty just just by virtue of being in the major league. Like if you're that level, you should be able yeah. to hit two fifty. Just that should be a given. And if you drop below that, you know, come on. It sounds like something my dad would say. um, Anyway, but it it just, it strikes me how much, um, how much all of everything we were talking about tonight and so much that you hear is about money. So I guess that's just the way it is right now. Sports is a part of the entertainment industry. Does that make and you as long, oh. as long as people buy tickets 
as long as people tune in on television. Um, there's probably, that's, it's probably not going to change. I wonder if that, if from my own experience, I'm, I'm a much bigger pro sports fan than college sports fan in large part because of that. Like when you're in the pros, you know what? There's no, there's no pretense. Like, yes, they're in it for the money and everybody knows the deal. Whereas in college, it seems like they're always, it's like wink, wink, you know, there's always this, you know, the one and done situation, all that stuff. Come on, you know? Um, yeah. Let's so I wonder if like you guys or for young, young fans like Liam, I mean, you know, are you going to have people who are diehard college fans, you know, when it's, you know, if you're not one of the, if you're not one of maybe five or six schools in each conference, you're not going to win a title period. Yeah. Too bad. Like, you know, even if you are able to beat Alabama or whatever, you might just not be able to get into the, college football playoffs right like you know miami university or uc or you know anybody around here or you go even in basketball maybe in basketball you might have a better shot because the tournament's bigger yeah but, that's you know that, but if you're you, yeah you probably might have a shot there you know but you're like you know you're illinois chicago where i went to grad school you're not gonna win a title i mean but you're in that same you're covered by the same rules in theory as the teams that are competing for titles you know, you're supposed to be playing like college football. You're, you know, um, you know, UC supposed to be playing by the same rules as Alabama. They're not even in the same universe when it comes to money or facilities. Right. And no offense to Cincinnati. I mean, that's just, you know, that's this is no, just kind of how it is. Cincinnati has done is, is remarkable, uh, considering, you yeah, know, like they, I said, that, that they the, don't have the competition for the sports dollar here. Um, you know, a, a traditionally, uh, you see is, is less of a, uh, oh, I, you could, you know, getting back to real old analogies, you know, the raccoon coat and the pennant and yeah. the rah-rah, uh, you see has always been more of a, uh, work-a-day, uh, commuter college, um, you know, and they've got more than their share of, of uh, out-of-town kids and dormies, but it, it's an urban college um, with uh, an urban mission, uh, and it, it's it's a part of the business community in Cincinnati, and it I don't think it has that um, mystique that an Ohio State would have. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I wonder if that changes too in time, that it's just, you know, it's like Gonzaga in basketball. That It's like when you're good one year, fine. When you're good, but, you know, when you're good five, ten years in a row, then all of a sudden people start. It's like you have to pay your dues to get to that point. Like Notre Dame right well, now is coasting that, on 100 yes, years Marty, of tradition. Yeah, that's a good point. And with UC, I think if Fickle can stay with the program, and his son now just signed to play at UC, so I hope that's a good sign. Um, they can build a they can build a program there that simply demands to be noticed. Yeah, and you know they're gonna and they're gonna start getting some bigger teams on their schedule, and they have to beat those teams. Um, 
you know, it's it's you you can't take that away from Ohio State. Uh, for instance, <coughs> the past, you know, their tradition, Alabama. I mean, you're talking sustained excellence over decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and you just when you when you're asked to name the, t- the top some top ten football programs, even if you're just a casual fan, Ohio State's going to come up, yeah. Alabama's going to come up, Auburn's going to come up. Yeah, you're uh, Michigan. You know. Yeah, we yeah. need to get back. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, we need to get back to relegation. You know, relegate mm-hmm. Maryland and Rutgers out. You know, drop them from the Big Ten to the, you know, the the MAC. You know, promote Cincinnati. You know, Coastal Carolina. You know, is this, whatever. So what is this? What is what? what? Is this a hot take? Uh, yeah, sure, it's a hot take. I mean, it's not. Thank you. It's not my not my idea, but you know, yeah. I mean, you've got you know, Rutgers is going to collect. You know, I mean, Rutgers is a little better this year, but. Yeah, you get your teams at the Illinois. Illinois, Illinois is going to get a ton of money from being in the Big Ten, and you know they don't have to go to a bowl because if six or seven teams go to bowls, they'll get so much money, and they don't have to, you know, they can coast through or, you know, I, I yeah, relegate them, drop them, drop them down, you know, let them play Central Michigan, you know, Kent State, great, awesome, you know. And then let somebody else have a shot at playing Ohio State, or let somebody else have a shot. Yeah, yeah, like put Notre Dame in the put Notre Dame in the Big Ten, and Where, you know, is Notre Dame even in a? Thing? This year they're in the uh, ACC. Uh, who won that? Uh, uh, Notre Dame was getting beat the last I saw. You know, I, I wonder who won that game. See, I don't know. Hey Google, did Notre Dame win? Nice product placement there. Well, I just uh, three four to ten today against. Clemson. Ooh, they lost thirty four to ten. But Notre is a good uh, example of. I mean, I I you know I want to like Notre Dame, but they've been coasting on, you know, a hundred years of you know win one yeah. for the Gipper and all that. I mean, you know, does anybody? Well, I mean, at this Brian point, Brian Kelly is not. People in Cincinnati have a long memory with Brian Kelly. You know. Well, and, he's um, yeah. But he'll I, find I a way to. They lost the game today. He'll find a way. The player. He'll find a way to throw the players under the bus in his yes, press conference. He will. You can count on it. Uh, I don't know. And I, that guy that left UC for Tennessee is also falling on his face. So it could be that Fickle is going to stick it out. You know, Marty. There's a lot of money in this town to pay that guy yeah. and to build that football program up. And I'm not. Voices. You know, it's it's not like. If you like this voice and want me to keep using it, you know, there's a lot of old money and there's sure. a lot of old UC money that that can help pay Luke Pickle's salary. Well, and it's, you know, if, if they want yeah. to keep him. And there's a lot of, um, I think, up the street from us here, we have a, a neighbor, some real good friends who's um, their, their oldest is a freshman at Cincinnati this year. So, I mean, they were planning to go on, they bought season tickets. I mean, back before. I mean, obviously things have changed this year, but I mean, they're, he's, the dad is from Virginia. The mom is from Cleveland. You know, they're, they are, they're all in. I mean, they would like nothing more than to have it be, I mean, they'd love to go down and spend their money on gear and, you know, beer before the game and, 
join the booster club and stuff like that. Oh, I, mean, there's... I would go yeah. uh, under or different circumstances. I'd love to go to a UC game. <laughs> I think if the program keeps building, they may wind up paying at uh, Paul Brown Stadium, playing a few games. Yeah, there. well, and they get when they get the students in, uh, this goes back 20 years, but in 98, I guess, UC was playing, 98, maybe 99, UC played in like the, the Alaska in basketball, they knocked off Duke with Kenyon Martin and everything. They knocked off Duke yeah. in the uh, like, and not the Maui Invitational, but the like the the the, the Anchorage. What under those one of those early season deals? Yeah. And we happened to be, I was at a bar down in Clifton with some friends um, who were UC students, and UC won, you know, and they were ready to go out and you know they were ready to go out and you know party on campus, you know, go run around. You know, but it was, yeah, it was, they were disappointed that where were all the UC students, you know, where were the, where were all, where was the, where were the people going nuts for that? And you're right about it being a commuter school. But having said that, I think that this year, you know, in a couple of years, Fickle really has changed that around where I think, you the know, cultures change. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're going to get, and I think uh, you're seeing it with, uh, you know, with the soccer team too, uh-huh. uh, but the, the soccer team needs to start winning some games. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope that doesn't turn out to be a, a white elephant. But uh, well, I can, you know, I can remember when, um, you know, when when uh, UC was going for its third straight NCAA championship back yeah. in the uh, back in the early '60s. I mean, this town was true blue UC, you know, and when they they lost that game narrow game they lost to Loyola of Chicago yeah I listened to that game and it was a black day in this town when they lost that uh championship game it would have given them three straight yeah uh so I mean I've lived through some times when uh Cincinnati meant excellence it meant championship caliber uh sports you know with the big what you know? What a privilege to live at a time when you could see the big red machine play. Oh yeah, and see those guys, all those guys on the field at one time, and uh, you know to, to to have the to be a, be the center of the baseball world. You know. Oh yeah. Well, and I I love Fickle's attitude with that. I remember when I was at Ohio State, the president at the time, Gordon Gee, who you know he had his own. He was the one who famously joked about was it um. When Trestle, somebody had asked, when Trestle got in some trouble and they asked him, you know, are you going to fire Trestle? And he jokingly, well, half jokingly said, well, I just hope Trestle doesn't fire me, you know, but he, <laughs> that hit a little too close to the truth, I think. So, um, yeah. but I remember him saying, like, you know, his whole take was, why not excellence? I mean, why, what, there's no reason that if you're, you know, if you're at Stanford and you say, we want to have the championship football team, the championship basketball team. We want to have Nobel Prize winners. We want to have Rhodes Scholars. We want to yeah. have, you know, you're at Stanford, nobody blinks an eye. And I remember he, he would preach that. He'd say, why not? I mean, why not? Why should we not have, you know, we got, I told Liam this story. When I was a history major there, They there was a vacancy um, for a history professor. So they hired Sir Jeffrey Parker, who had been knighted in Spain and the UK for his work. I mean, but that was Gordon Gee's philosophy was, well, why not? Why should we not try to have the absolute Did best? Have him? 
No, I didn't have any. Cl- he got hired my senior year. I didn't have any. Cl- I, I talked to him. I mean, he was an, he was really interesting, but like a lot of really super smart scholars, if you had questions and you were really into the discussion, he didn't care if you were an undergraduate, if you were a knight, if you were whatever. If you really were, in, if you were really interested and you wanted to talk, he he was there to talk. He didn't care. You know, he was not hung up in the. He never. We would call him Sir Jeffrey just to annoy him. But the uh, <laughs> yeah. But Gordon Gee's take was, and I love how UC is pursuing that. Like, why not have a world-class engineering program? And, you know, we don't have to be just a basketball school. Why not have the best co-op program in the country and have a great football team and have a great basketball team and et cetera, et cetera. I love it. I think it's, I think that that is contagious. And I think that it really, it, it goes into everything that they do, everything the school does. Well, it's good yeah. for the city, you know, but I think, uh, um, yeah, you know, it, uh, it's, uh, I figure with Gordon D, he basically paid you to go to school there. Remember? Oh yeah. He was, I mean, he wasn't just paying sir. What was his name? Parker, Jeff, Jeffrey Parker. Parker. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he was also, he, he was paying you and your brother. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I mean, it was great. I, you know, it's probably, this might be one of the, one of the few like sports talk podcasts where sir Jeffrey Parker comes up and, but he's. If you want to learn about Philip II of Spain, you got to read. If you're not reading Jeffrey Parker, you miss the boat. Yeah, I think I got that copy of one of his books in the bathroom. <laughs> well, hey, Liam. Uh, yeah. Where, if you could uh, go to college next year, where would you go to college? Um, maybe. Eh, time's up. Uh. You're going to go to Cincinnati State. <laughs> you know what if i were starting out now if i if you know we had and i didn't mean to jump into your question but if you weren't going on full scholarship you know go to Cincinnati state get all your prereqs done and then go to harvard for the next two years and save some cash why you're not gonna see you're gonna see community colleges like that i have a feeling that's going to be the future and online learning but I want you to answer my question, Liam. You know, uh, your cousin Ava yeah. is uh, already taking your PSATs. Yeah. Uh, probably either Ohio State or Northwestern, maybe, mm-hmm. that Ohio State played today. Just because Ohio State, because you went there, and Northwestern, because I always liked that school. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, so Liam's criteria, in other words, is you have to be a contender for the Big Ten football championship. No, when you <laughs> well, were Northwestern is such a terrific school, though, and it's such a terrific city. When you were about an hour old, Liam, I was holding you, looking out the window at uh, at the time it was Evanston Northwestern Hospital. I was holding you in my arms. We were looking out the window, and I was showing you. You could see Northwestern's campus, so I was pointing out, like, there's the library, and there's. Um, Ryan Field, the football stadium, you know, and I was talking about the football stadium and a nurse walked in and she's like, give him a break. He's an hour old. (laughs) At least let him, you know, get (laughs) I would think that would be a terrific uh, choice. I saw, um, I'm Mm going to have to sign off here, but I I noticed in the local news that that, uh, some uh, football player from Roger Bacon was uh, named Mr. Ohio. Yeah. Mr. Football Ohio, 
So I thought your 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 um, neighbor should be happy. Yes, they they um yeah our neighbor across the street Megan um like when she graduated she's a freshman at Ohio State this year but yeah she I mean Bacon's not that big a school so I mean to say she knew him is well yeah I mean kind of everybody knows I'm sure everybody knows him but yeah she said he was a real good guy like a legit like re- like not just like you know people say but I mean that he he is a he is a really impressive young man, football or not. Well, Good Roger for him. Bacon, uh, in my time, was the gold standard of uh, football. Everybody feared Roger Bacon. I mean, they year after year they were the it's one of the top schools in the state. And there was a guy there named uh, who coached them named Bron Basevich. Isn't that a great football name? That is. Bron Basevich, and uh, when I was on my high school paper, I was the sports editor, and I got the idea of calling him before the game with Elder and interviewing them from that perspective, like what does it mean at Roger Bacon to play Elder, and it was a really, it was a good story. I was really proud of it. That's and, a great idea. Yeah, I was in, uh, and I remember... Uh, it, it was well received uh, you know, to try to get the different perspective on it. Like, how does it feel for, you know, we, we're excited. Roger Bacon week would be a, a, a big date on the calendar, but how, how do they feel about us? But I remember actually interviewing him and I was kind of proud of that. Would he, he, was I, very, he was very gracious. Did he, was he like, ah, whatever you pipsqueaks. He, oh yeah. no, he said all the right things. Wait till wait till wait till well wait yeah. till LaSalle gets in town. Oh yeah, right. We have well I can remember also when Moeller and LaSalle <clears throat> fielded their first varsity football teams. They uh they um uh, I think around my junior year, uh both those schools uh played their first varsity. They had enough students of varsity age that they could field varsity teams because both schools were brand new. Yeah. So those two schools were the doormats uh, at the time. And, um, uh, and obviously you can see how that's changed. I was going to say now they're, they're trading titles. Well, bacon knocked us off my sophomore year. Not that I'm still bitter about it. My sophomore year across country, they, they edged us barely to uh, get into regionals and cross country ahead of us. Like they beat like by like two points or something, which yeah. in cross country is, I mean, that's one of us could have run down a hill a little faster and we could have made that up, but, but it was hard to be mad at them because so, they were like, they were good guys. Like you talked to them before the race and they were like, they were cool. So it was, it was hard to get real angry at them. Well, I remember you were on a championship team too, though. And that was that year, that's, yeah. That's nothing. I I was never a member of a championship team, so that's something you can uh, be proud of the rest of your life. It was a fun year. You still go back to, you know, the league website. You can still go back and look at the like they have the champions and all the sports, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic because you get like, you know, it's the same three or four schools, boom, 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 for the last fifty years. Then that one year, Princeton. That one, <laughs> you know, yeah, why not? Uh, it was Mivers, great. Fibers did a good job coaching that year. You, you guys didn't really have a stud, but you had a lot of good runners. I don't think you hit any. Uh, you didn't have that guy that 
is always consistently going to be number one and number two or three in right. the race. But you had a bunch of guys that could get up in the top 20. And I thought he played it just right that year and surprised a lot of people. So I was proud of you guys. Yeah. It was fun. And Liam, I hope you get to experience that too. Cause it's, I mean, it definitely is fun. And, yeah. you know, college wise, keep your options open because you never know. I mean, Cincinnati, since you, since, you know, I was just one of those guys where like, I, it would have, I wanted to, no offense to, to my parents, but like I wanted to go to a school in a different town. Um, so, I mean, but looking back on that, I think, you know, like I, I see my neighbor's kids, like I was talking about where like, wow, you know, he's like, he's kind of got his own life down there, but he's close enough that, you know, if he gets a flat tire, his dad can come help him out with it or whatever, you know, it's a nice, you know, it's a nice best of both worlds, but you never know. I mean, there's, you got the whole world ahead of you. Well, Columbus was good because you were only a couple hours away. Yeah. And you were still trying to get down here now and then to see your mom, you know? Yeah. So. It was hard to argue with the, hard to argue with the cost. Well, I mean, it's, it was remarkable, you know? I mean, it, what you two guys did, uh, you know, if I stop and pick up some uh, Chick-fil-A for your family, I just figure it's payback time, you know. I should be upping my why – am I, why am I eating these stupid salads then? I should be <laughs> – let's go to someone – go to Red Robin. They sell beer. Well, Liam doesn't know much about that period in our lives, fortunately. But when you two guys decided to go to Ohio State – it really helped us get our financial feet under us because you and your brother, you could, and your, and your, and Megan, you could have gone to any school in the country that you'd wanted to go to. But, um, you know, you did, you took one for the team and, uh, but you know, you still got a good education. Oh yeah. And you had I, fun. yeah. I look back on it now and it's funny that, I mean, it's, you know, I've, just knowing my own personality and Liam, I wonder what your choices are going to be. Some people love being in a smaller school. I would have do it online. You, you know I what? Know. You'll be able to. It's, I don't want to be in a dorm room with. Uh, we had fun in our dorm. Bradley Hall was Bradley Hall was great with all you, you the uh, with our drunk beacon, the disco ball that we had hooked up that would guide all the Bradley Hall honor students back to the dorm on a Friday night. <laughs> you know, we we had a great time, but it's. The, um, yeah, I would have gone nuts at a, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I would have gone nuts if I had had to go to some small school where I had to dress well every day and, you know, uh, you were, you were a city boy uh, who grew up in an urban environment, a very diverse urban environment. <clears throat> and I think you made the transition. I remember thinking there were fewer minority students at Ohio state than there were at Princeton High School. Well, Princeton was, yeah. I mean, that was very much Princeton. Yeah, it was a, there was no majority. I think it was at the time like a plurality, but it was, well, but it works out when it's great. That's like I said, with Ohio State, it was great that, you know, I had, I had my earrings and my crazy hair and whatever, but, you know, I could, I could actually have an intelligent conversation with, you know, the history professors. So it's funny, you get spoiled by that because it's like you think you, you know, these guys, the professors, you know, they didn't, 
you know, your professor didn't care what you looked like or what you sounded like, whatever. If you asked a good question, they loved it. You know, it, they didn't care anything. I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun. I remember one of my professors had done his grad work at university of Chicago and he said he loved it there, but it was very much the opposite. Like you weren't going to raise your hand and ask, you know, you weren't going to ask Marcia Eliade a question. You weren't going to ask, um, Oh, I'm blanking on his name. The economist, um, people yeah and then sean in grad school you know offending francis crick sir francis crick and getting yelled at by a nobel prize winner i can't relate to any of this conversation because i've not been to college but you're going to see the same way and i think you have that same tendency i think you're going to be the same when you because you know what you're talking about when you know what you're talking about you don't have to be intimidated okay uh i thought to finish up the show, we could talk about our thoughts on the current NFL playoff picture. Dad and I just looked at each other like, I hope you have a hot take. I, yeah, I I couldn't tell you who's uh, who the division leaders are right now. Uh, here, I'll say it now. In the AFC, the team with the first round by is Kansas City, and then and then it would be Miami at Pittsburgh, Indianapolis at Buffalo, and Cleveland at Tennessee. Good for Cleveland. Why not? And in no, not good for Cleveland. You know what? They they deserve it. They... In, in Green Bay, in the NFC, it would be Green Bay with the first round by, then Arizona versus New Orleans, Tampa Bay versus uh, the Rams, and Seattle versus the Redskins. Not the, the, t- the, t- the football team. It just said Washington, so I just thought about thought that. First. Yeah. I, uh, from what little I know, I would say Green Bay, if they stay healthy, would is it could be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I saw that a little bit of uh, them. I haven't watched much, but I did watch a little bit of Green Bay. And it just seems like if you got Aaron Rodgers on your team uh, at crunch time, you know you're you're in pretty good shape. You've got that chance. It'd be fun to see Rodgers and Mahomes in the title game. I mean, it's yeah, know, yeah, that'd be a good good matchup. It'd be cool to see. I, I I've always been a fan of the Saints. Why not? And if Drew Brees really is going to retire this year, that would be awesome to go out with a title. But but Mahomes is just so much fun to watch. I mean, he's and he plays with such joy that, you know, you'd have to be, if he's not one of your favorite players, I mean, you, then it's just a, you know, then you just hold what a grudge. What do you think the Bengals have to do to be competitive next year? If Burrow can get in, but, you know, if, if he's able to return, say, by October or November, they what, just, how does that team? They need, they need a coaching change. Even if they don't change Zach Taylor, they need to find new offensive and defensive coordinators. I don't think anybody has it. I don't think the team has any confidence in Taylor anymore. Yeah, they need to no. change. They need to just say, okay, everyone on the they need everyone to, yeah. on the staff now, you're fired. We're going to rebuild. I mean, you could see that in some of these games where the body language, like even in the last game when Allen got knocked out of the game again, guys are like, you know, we're done. I mean, we have no... I don't think they have any confidence in him. I mean, I don't know if it's a scheming thing. I don't know. 
but it just seems like the last yeah, it's, couple it's years Dave, Dave they just all over again. Yeah, they just don't. Um, they just the, um, the business where he uh, benched uh, Giovanni uh, Bernard after he fumbled. What was that all about? Well, and he I mean, came back could... after the game and said, "Well, it was our plan this whole time to rotate people." And if you're the if you're a player, you're like you're either thinking number one, you're lying, or number two, do you have any conception of like why are we not trying to win? I mean, if you're gonna play the young guys, play the young guys. If you're gonna try to win, play Bernard. But you know, at this point in the season, they got you know Dave Lapham's been on and on going on about this. Like you've got like rookie linebackers who like, you need to know whether these guys can play or not. Why are we not? I mean, why are we stuck in the middle here? Why are we playing musical chairs with offensive linemen and not, you know, if these guys can't play, they can't play, get young guys in, see if we have anything, but what's the point of doing it halfway? You're not going to win the division. You're not going to get the playoffs. And you don't know get the number one pick, right? And you and you're not playing your young guys, so who knows? Maybe the who's the running? I can't blanking on his name, but the running back out of um, Texas Tech who looks like he's going to really be good. Why not play him? I Which mean, one is that? Um, he's the guy who came in after they benched Giovanni Bernard, and then the second guy in. He he's like the he's got like he's one of the top rushers in the history of the SEC or the. Um, Maybe he's not Texas Tech. Maybe he's A and M. Um, but anyway, I mean, the kid can play. Assumedly, I mean. So at this point, you know, if it's are you not playing him because of is he not picking up blitzes? Well, that's on the coach at this point. You know that if he well, can't do it, you're, you're going to have people that are going to be saying that he's getting pressure from above to play or not play. Uh, Samaj, the P Ryan guy, like Samaj P Ryan. Um, I don't know that. I think it was him. Like, Maybe that. I don't know why that doesn't 34. sound right. Uh, he's well, I, but yeah, I mean, at this, I just think. When was he? I he mean, was drafted in. He's a rookie. Guy, the, the guy I'm thinking about is a rookie this year. Um, Trayvon Williams. Trayvon Williams. That's it. Trayvon Williams. Um, you know, his college. If the college is an indicator, let's play. Let's see what he. Let's see what he can do. But you're right about the. Think, you're right about the. Taylor's di- di- dithering. I don't yeah. think he knows. I don't think he knows what to do. The uh, it looks like he's caught. It it looks like he's not gonna. I'm just tired of him saying in his because I listen to his press conferences and he's always talking about how well we want to stay the course. We're so close, you know. We just to need to what? make the play. To what are they close to? Right, though? exactly. We just you know we believe in our our approach. Like no, you're you won two games. Nobody believes in your approach, and if you believe in your approach, you're an idiot. You know. He needs he needs to fall on his sword. Yeah, um, I mean, it's... I don't see anything good. Listen, I'm going to sign off, guys. But uh, thanks for uh, keeping my old gray uh, gray matter uh, bubbling. And uh, I wish I had more opinions and fewer rambling observations. No, that's okay. We're mm. That's my job, is opinions with no, with no, con- <laughs> no context whatsoever. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun to see uh, the next coming years unfold uh, for Liam and uh, Caroline when, when they start seeing what they're interested in. And, uh, yeah. It's going to uh, be fun to I see know. the college things. I'm curious to see where Ava's going to go and 
you know, how that works out. If she's going to stay close to home or if we could entice her to the Midwest. Sean, or Sean says that uh, she's interested in the humanities. Great. She's an excellent math student, but um, she's interested in uh, writing. And uh, I think you said maybe it's even something like TV journalism or something. You know what? So, it's I don't know. The, one of the... Uh, again, going back to my my college professors, I had a Randy Roth, Dr. Roth. He was he had two PhDs, I think, from Stanford. One in history, one in math, and so his class was basically like it was a like you were doing these like basically trying to use numbers. Like people would be like, oh, you know the you know not just economic history, but like actually trying to use like numbers in because he would always joke about that he's like yeah historians are afraid of this stuff you know except if your numbers anything different from a year they just turn their brain off but so yeah. yeah i always think if you're a if you're a if you're a mathematician who can write what a great skill if you're a historian who can yeah. who's not afraid of doing some serious mathematical analysis it can only help sure. you look what's going on with archaeology now where they're there was a uh when I exchanged some emails with uh, Ava and Sean about, oh, it's probably been about six or seven months ago that uh, she was thinking and talking about journalism. And I kind of tried to warn her that, you know, I don't know how much, how much of an industry that's going to be unless it's like Liam is doing now podcasts, mm -hmm. um, television, uh, you know, di digital media, visual media, it's print media yeah. is, 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 is going by the way. But um, I contacted a uh, guy I worked with when I was on a city desk at the Post. He was the science reporter, and he had a degree in um, biology. Um, but he was... And he wasn't the best writer and reporter on the paper, but he got it. He was good enough to do it, and he kept getting better and better. Sure. In a couple years that, that I knew him, and he became a fine writer and a fine reporter uh, with a background in the sciences. So he wasn't going to be BSed if yeah. he was covering for an old or covering pollution in the Mill Creek, or the water quality of the Ohio River, he had a command of that beat. And um, I remember a uh, music critic we had who wound up uh, being teaming up with this real hardcore, hard news reporter on a series of stories after the who concert yeah and a lot of investigative stuff where they wrote about the inadequate uh, life-saving equipment and the, and the ill-equipped uh, ambulances and things that contributed to some of the deaths down there that night and it was so weird to see this guy who was a musician and a music critic become this fine reporter sure um, and I, I got in contact with him not long ago because he is working in San Diego. 
But the one thing that both of these guys did, and a lot of other ones I knew, they had a um, knowledge in a field, um, be it biology or music, um, that they had first, and they learned the journalism aspect of it in graduate school huh. or on the job. Yeah. So I remember this guy's name was Doug Starr, and he's gone on to write a bunch of books, and he was uh, he was teaching at um, Boston University, and uh, he said definitely uh, have a um, build up a, 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 a accumulate knowledge in a field, have that, and take that into the communications field. Interesting, sure. And you're going to have more success. Uh, rather than, say, majoring in journalism and then getting a job and hoping you can cover your beat. Right, because it's just so, so much. That's, an, that's a really his interesting... His theory was, just figure on some graduate school, uh, but get, get oh, your undergraduate you degree in a, um, in a subject and then take that and learn the journalism and then you've got something. That makes uh, sense. You know, Learn the craft. Yeah. There's people who are good, like I think of Charlie Harper and Edie Harper, people who ask good questions that, you know, you always think they were artists. Or um, there's a guy who was on the radio not long ago, speaking of uh, uh, Mike Bass, who I think you might have worked with at the Post. I worked very... I worked very closely with Mike Bass. He said, he, he did. Yeah, he was on, he's, he's, um, went in grad school, I guess he got, so he's basically like a, like a, he's, I don't know if he's a psychologist or a life coach. He was on the radio and he was so, he was, he's made for that. What an interesting now, guy. Are we talking about the same Mike Bass is from Chicago originally? Uh, maybe he's about, I'm guessing he's probably, I don't know, call it in his sixties or something, but he said he worked for the post, worked for the Enquirer. Yeah. Okay. I know. Okay. I worked for Mike Bass. I worked with Mike Bass. Yeah. Closely. So he's gone. He does. Uh, um. He yeah. he does coach like life coaching, focusing on um, number one athletes. Like he's worked with Deion Sanders and all these different. You know, he's worked with a ton of athletes, but he also works on like like because I think it was Lance McAllister had him on and basically like how would you help like if you're a huge Bengals fan and you're just like it's crushing you week after week. You know, and it's starting to impact just your your everyday life of just having this misery. You know, how do you, you know, and it was really interesting hearing him talk about this, about how, you know, uh, but it was funny that you mentioned because this guy knew he knew sports inside and out. And then he had well, learned he these was, other he aspects. Was, uh, not only a, an excellent writer, but he was briefly the uh, sports editor for a while before I left the paper. But one thing I remember, I was working with him nights. Um, it was pretty much just the two of us at certain times, and we were working our butts off. But something made me pick up a few things and start juggling. I thought I'd impress him. And he picked up a phone and a knife yeah. and a baseball and started juggling. Yeah. I thought, well, Okay, man, you know, you, got you win. Me. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 
but yeah, he I real he and I got along real well. He's a nice guy, but I'd lost track of him completely. I didn't know he was in that field now. Is he still around town? Yeah, he's in Cincinnati. I think he's back in Cincinnati, um, and he's like this is his full time gig now. I think is um like uh again I, I I'm I'm embarrassed to say it. I I know we're getting off the bringing it back to sports talk. Um, his focus now is basically he he as he said on the radio like. He's always been a sports fan, loves sports, been a sports reporter, but he was also always really interested in the psychology of it, you know, the athlete side, the fan side. Yeah. And he was really funny, but it was really interesting that he's got this. So he's saying, you know, he works with young athletes. He works with families. He works with, you know, one of the things that he said he works that one of his special interests is like helping parents of kids, parents of kids who are playing sports, like, how do you, as a parent, how can you help your kid enjoy it without being, without haranguing the kid or without belittling? Like, how do you, how do you, as a oh, parent, I think learn you, how I to think coach? You harangue Liam. I agree. That's all I did and after I think after you every should, game. You belittle him and make him cry. Yeah. Every, after every game, I'd out. Yeah, he'd be down there. He'd be out back in the three point stance. You know, just launching into a tree over and over until I said it was okay. Anyway, that back to sports talk, but it was really, it was fun. Cause he was, they were, it was a great interview that they did with him. Cause he was talking about how, you know, if you're like, he said one person he had worked with recently is a huge bears fan. Um, and when he, you know, when he's, when the bears aren't doing well, the guy will get on Facebook or whatever and just start posting all this profanity, just this horrible stuff. Then like the next day, he's like, oh, my God, you know, what did I then he has to go back and apologize to everybody about that. So the idea being like, this is impacting my job. This could impact. I mean, impacting my life, yeah. my family. This could get back to me at work, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you kind of how do you channel the how do you still have emotion as a sports fan without it being detrimental to your life? Which is what a fantastic little. I mean, what a fantastic, like small 15 minute interview that they did with him. But it was such a cool, such a cool thing. Anyway, that's I'm not surprised that you guys got along well because he was he clearly he was a smart guy, but real funny. I mean, he belongs yeah. on the radio. Yeah, I'll uh, let's see if we I'll can get him I as can... a guest. Liam, you work on that. Maybe I'll try uh, to track him down. Maybe. Yeah, he was. a. Uh, yeah, we worked a lot of uh, lonely, cold nights in sports for a while. Trying to figure out why you had a knife and a baseball and a well or whatever i, I know I, I, I yeah i was i think i had there was there were always tennis balls and nerf balls and crap like that laying around in sports and I, so i just started messing with it i figured i'd impress him and then he just you know he was all over the place <laughs> like the karamazov brothers or something yeah yeah <clears throat> and i know you you'd never get into a cutting contest with him <laughs> because he could always one up you. He's just a smart, funny guy. <clears throat> but I don't think he liked being the editor. It's a lot of pressure. But I think I left the paper not long after that. So I don't know. That's interesting. I'll see if I can track him down. Yeah, he's it was if like I, if I if I if I'm able to email him, I'll tell him that you heard him on the radio. He was yeah, he's MikeBassCoaching.com. We'll throw out the plug for him, even though he's not a sponsor I'll yet. Put it in the show notes. No, but he was. I mean, I was ready to call him at the end of this interview and say, like, yeah, I have kids in sports. You Mike know, Bass, what Mike Bass, B A S S, Mike Bass Coaching. Now, I was ready to call him and just say, you know, I've got yeah, kids in sports. You know, 
all of my favorite sports teams, you know. Wait, did you were were you able to find his phone number? I don't know. Well, I mean to call into the radio or whatever, but no, it was anyway. But yeah, it was. Well, be, it's possible you may contact him before I do if, with the, the slow pace that I'm doing things nowadays. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I don't I don't know what his undergraduate degree is in. Uh, I just know he was a, a one of the one of the fair haired children of Barry Forbes, who is uh, kind of came in and revolutionized the sports department uh, in the um, in the way that uh, USA Today did back when when they kind of turned the tables on yeah. conventional sports. Um, but I uh, hadn't thought about him in a long time. But it was interesting that there were at least two or three different people, um, and I could name more if I started thinking about it, who did not study journalism in college, but drifted into it for whatever reason. Uh, afterward, and it really made them marketable, and um, gave they they gave them a lot instant credibility and authority in when they would write within the, their areas of expertise. Sure. And in this day and age, uh, science, medicine, um, boy, you know, if you have a background in in those fields. And you can communicate. Uh, you're going to find work. Yes, I mean more and more. We need the. Yeah. You're right. We need people to do it. I was just looking at the guy's website. The, yeah. Yeah, he had a lot of things on his website. You no, know, it's interesting. And, and I mean, again, getting back to sports. I mean, I joke about the hot take thing, but it's funny how you've got on one hand the hot take. You know, ESPN is, and all those guys gravitating toward the hot take, but. It's funny that you've got, you know, Bill Simmons and what is it, the defectors, all the people who used to be at Deadspin. You've got this blossoming uh, market for long form, as they call it, like longer, like an analytical pieces, human interest, um, you know, more context. There's this great market for that online where, you know, that Bill Simmons was able to do. I mean, they like, you know they were able to do some really incredible stuff with ESPN that ESPN otherwise would never do, you know, and ESPN kind of pushes that to like the undefeated, um, and some of their other, their other properties. But yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's fun to see that, that, you know, I mean, there's always going to be a place for the USA today kind of, you know, quick, quick take kind of thing. And I suppose there will always be a market for hot takes, uninformed hot takes, but it's fun to see these other, I mean, I have no idea if these guys are actually making money at, you know, defector. I don't know if anybody's making money at any of them, but it's fun to see them trying. Yeah, it is. We might have to stop though. Cause it, we've been oh, yes. going for okay. almost two hours. All right. All right. The, well, I will have to. Good edit. luck editing this, Liam. Try to take out where I burped into the microphone. I don't even know if I am going to try. I'll just put, put it up as is. That'll be nice. Just let it, let it run. Anybody that listens to it deserves whatever they get. Yes, just keep drinking, people. That could be the slogan of your show, Liam. <laughs> yeah. The more, or yeah, the more, the more you drink, the better we sound. <laughs> yeah. Fifteen seconds here. Stand by, all cameras. Ready with slow motion, the night's cameras. Stand by, videotape and rolling. Yeah, this is rolling. Less than five and three. Two, one. Take, take.
National Football Conference, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Dallas Cowboys. NFL Monday Night Football is brought to you by Marlboro Filter Cigarettes. Come to where the flavor is. Come to Marlboro Country. The standings in the Eastern Division of the National Football Conference speak for themselves. The St. Louis Cardinals in front of the astonishing New York Giants by but a half game the Cowboys only a game out. Thus, a Cowboy victory tonight could produce and would produce a triple tie, but a Cowboy defeat would all but eliminate them from the Eastern Division race. Good evening, everyone. I'm Howard Cosell. Welcome with us to the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas.